Hey everyone, it is Luke here. It's been a little while since I've released a podcast as usual. I feel like I say that every single time, so maybe just ignore me. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about exercise selection today. I've done one fairly recently talking a bit more about this, but I wanted to kind of dive a bit more specifically into maybe why we want to vary our exercises and why one exercise might be better for someone than another person. So hopefully you find it interesting. Now, the main thing I want to touch on here is this concept called neuromechanical matching. And I first heard about this like from a paper in like 2007 or 2009 or something like that, where some neuroscientists were kind of trying to figure out how the brain and the nervous system chooses which motor units to recruit, which muscle fibers to use for a particular task. Now, the sort of prevailing idea that we often hear about with motor unit recruitment or muscle fiber recruitment is this idea of Henneman's size principle. So let me just kind of take it back a little bit and orient you a little. So I've said motor units and muscle fibers a couple of times now. Basically what happens is we have the motor cortex up in the brain that plans and then executes movement for us. It sends a signal down the spinal cord and obviously that travels out to the groups of muscle fibers that we want to switch on. So there's a motor neuron, a motor nerve that attaches to multiple muscle fibers. So you might have one motor neuron that is in charge of like 50 different fibers. Now that motor neuron and all of the fibers that it controls is called a motor unit. It's like a big group of muscle fibers that all get recruited together. You can almost think of it like a tug of war team. They all start at the same time and they all pull together and everybody then pulling together, uh, you know, obviously produces quite a lot of force. But there are different sized motor units. So some motor units are smaller than others and that allows for more sort of fine movements. So you might think about some of the motor units in your hands as being quite small. One motor neuron or motor nerve will control a smaller group of muscle fibers and that allows us to do very fine movements with a lot of precision. But there are other sort of muscles where we don't need so much fine motor movement, what we need is a lot of coordinated force at once. And so some of the motor units, for example, in your legs might be much larger. You have one nerve that's responsible for like hundreds or thousands even of muscle fibers. And that's a good thing because when we switch on that motor neuron, it means that a lot of fibers get recruited at once very easily. So there are big motor units, there are small motor units and kind of everything in between. And why this matters is because of this Henneman's size principle. So what happens is, I've explained this several times, but when we go to do an exercise, essentially what happens is that our brain will preferentially use the smallest groups of fibers first. This is just kind of an efficiency thing. Like if you're lifting a sub-maximal load, uh, you don't want to recruit all of your available fibers. It's like not necessary for one. Secondly, it's going to mean uh, like an inefficient movement or like not a smooth movement. Like imagine you were trying to eat your breakfast and you sort of just used all of your muscle fibers in your arms at once and you put your spoon through your face. It's not going to be a good result, right? 
So our brain knows that it doesn't need to use all of our motor units at once. And if given the option, it's gonna use the smallest ones first because that's a more efficient way of doing things. So that's kind of the prevailing concept around how the brain recruits muscle fibers to like overcome resistance. But there's this other concept that I mentioned at the start of this whole spiel, which was neuromechanical matching. And this provides a little bit more nuance as to which muscle fibers are recruited by the nervous system. So I mentioned this was like first introduced to me uh, way back when uh, by some neuroscientists who were looking at how the brain controls this stuff. And there's actually a more recent paper done in 2019 was when it was published. And this was really interesting. It was looking at uh, how the brain recruits these motor units but they looked specifically at respiratory muscles. So the muscles uh, around your lungs that help us breathe. Um, and so basically what those authors said that in the respiratory muscles, the motor units, the groups of fibers are recruited according to their mechanical advantage, which provides this efficient strategy to help ventilate the lungs. And the advantage of this is that the recruitment is then adaptable to different situations. It's not influenced by any sort of intrinsic property of the motor units. In other words, like the fiber type um, and all this kind of stuff can be different in the way that the brain recruits stuff. And it kind of allows a little bit more, yeah, like nuance compared to just straight up going with that size principle idea. So neuromechanical matching is essentially talking about the nervous system matching the different fibers within a muscle that have the best leverage to the task. It basically means that muscle recruitment is much more adaptable to the exact angle uh, and load that you're using and this kind of stuff. And it's also much more efficient because it's using the muscle fibers that are best suited to produce force. So you can kind of think of this, uh, if I'm talking about, you know, it, it matches the areas of the muscle with the, that have the best leverage to the task. You can think of leverage as essentially how easily a muscle or even a region of a muscle, a smaller group of fibers within a muscle can produce force for a given exercise. And the nervous system will use those muscle regions preferentially that have the greatest leverage for an exercise. So, you know, if we're gonna do like a bicep curl, obviously fibers in our biceps have the best leverage for that motion of elbow flexion to flex your arm. Or if we do a lateral raise, depending on which angle we do our lateral raise, there are gonna be different fibers that are preferentially recruited. And the ones that are recruited the most are gonna be the ones that have the best possible leverage to produce force, depending on our arm angle, right? So that's a really cool concept to think about. And we can see this in a bunch of different studies. So firstly, we know that people recruit muscles differently when they walk. There's a couple of studies that have looked at this, actually several studies, and one that looked at cycling as well. And it showed that everybody kind of recruits a different ratio of their glutes and their hamstrings and their quads and their calves when they walk. So there are individual differences in even a fundamental movement like walking in a straight line that is different between people. Meaning like if we sort of extrapolate that idea, then perhaps doing more complex exercises like a squat would also mean, when I say more complex, um, maybe greater variance, I suppose. Um, 
maybe that's going to result in different regions of the muscles or even different muscles being recruited in different ratios. Now, that's actually been tested. So if we look at uh, a study done in 2020, the subjects were told to do bench presses and the electrical activities to their muscle were measured. So the muscle activity of their pecs, their triceps, and their anterior delts were measured in this study doing bench presses. And each person had a unique ratio of how much each muscle group contributed to the movement. Now, of course, everybody's technique is going to be slightly different, but the researchers tried to mitigate this factor by getting them to do it in a really specific way so what they did is they had their elbows at 90 degrees and their hands meeting the bar at 90 degrees and they did an isometric press into the bar so it sort of mitigated this individual technique thing uh, and still we saw that activity between the pecs triceps and anterior delts were really different between people there was another study that was done in 2021 where researchers looked at how much uh, of the different hamstring muscles were recruited between two different exercises. So if you don't know about the hamstrings, uh, we have the semi-membranosus, we have the semi-tendinosus, and we have the biceps femoris. So there's three different hamstring muscles. And the activity of these three different hamstring muscles was measured among the participants when they did Nordic curls, uh, which is kind of like a glute ham raise, and a stiff-legged deadlift. And the activation was really different between individuals. So some subjects activated their biceps femoris the most during the Nordic curls, but others used their semitendinosus more. And the same sort of thing happened during the deadlifts, the stiff-legged deadlifts. So yes, we're going to use the hamstrings in both of those exercises. Yes, we're probably going to bias ones that are better suited to hip uh, extension or knee flexion. But between individuals, there's still going to be some variability as to how much each of those muscles contribute to the movement. Now, it's important to note that these studies were using EMG, which doesn't actually tell us exactly how much work a muscle is doing. EMG stands for electromyography, and this is where they put electrodes on uh, on the muscle group in question, and they just try and measure the nervous system signal to the muscle. So you can't extrapolate that to tell exactly how much work the muscle is doing or how much it's going to grow, but it gives us a decent proxy. Um, So it still sort of stands to reason that different exercises will suit some people more than others because we each have small variations in technique, like I mentioned before, and that might be due to differences in how we execute things, the sort of cues that we are thinking about, or simply our anatomy. Like we all have slightly different anatomy. You might have longer arms than me or shorter legs than me like your squat's going to look different to my squat Um, some machines might like you know where if you get into a machine often the the setup is really similar for like each person the the path is going to be quite similar on the machine but how you fit around that machine is going to be different based on your anthropometrics meaning that some machines might be the exact same thing and the the path of where you press might be the exact same but it might suit your pecs more than your triceps or the other way around just because of how you're built. So we don't always recruit the same muscle or necessarily even the same region of the same muscle with an exercise. We know that uh, there can be different regions of a muscle recruited and 
this idea of neuromechanical matching is actually a really prime candidate to explain how this works. So there was one study where they had two groups do equal training volume and equal intensity, and they either did Smith machine squats, and obviously using the Smith machine just helps to regulate the technique a little bit, or leg extensions. They measured the growth, the actual growth, not just the electrical activity, but the actual growth of different regions of the quads in this study. And they found that the proximal, central, and distal regions of the quads were different between exercises. And between individuals, they were different as well. Meaning that even different regions of the exact same muscle, when you're doing the exact same exercise, can be recruited and it actually grows differently. So we know that regional hypertrophy exists. In other words, different regions of a muscle can grow more than others depending on your exercise selection and execution. So at this point, normally people get very excited when they learn about this and they kind of go, oh man, I can maybe bias my, you know, whatever, my lower quad more than my upper quad and this kind of thing. And there is evidence for that, but I have to put a really strong caveat in here. I really don't want this to be like a podcast episode that goes out and then gets a lot of people really obsessed over minor details with their exercise selection or or their execution or their technique, because it's really easy to get lost down a rabbit hole here. Like more or less, if you squat, you're going to grow your quads, you're going to grow your adductors, you're going to grow your glutes. You might bias those muscles differently compared to me or someone else but we'll all grow those muscle groups. So I don't think it's a case of like, well, I can't grow my quads with this exercise and therefore I have to use something else or whatever it is. So just bear that in mind. And the other thing is also that your personal preferences play a really big role. So I wouldn't be ignoring exercises or technique that you enjoy using just because you're sort of overthinking muscle recruitment or regional hypertrophy or whatever. So you just kind of have to remember that. Like my general recommendation is always going to be that over time we need some variation in our exercise selection anyway because it's going to ensure that we stimulate different regions of the muscle and it provides like interest it just keeps you interested in your training when you're doing something a little bit new a little bit fresh switching things up right so over the long term what we're going to be doing is we're going to be choosing decent exercises for the muscles we want to grow. We're going to be varying those a little bit, but maybe the sort of pool of exercises that we end up choosing from is going to be stuff that we've figured out works best for us over time. So over the long term, we can kind of figure out which exercises work best for us. We can then sort of chop and change out of this pool of exercises over time that we enjoy the most or that we feel gives us the best results. And I actually think that this is a really good way of introducing some auto-regulation into your training. And I really love auto-regulation. I program a lot with things like RPE or reps and reserve to help with auto-regulation, but I also sometimes give my clients a choice of exercises that they want to do. And the reason I do this is because, I mean, firstly, I think it builds their sense of self-efficacy and the enjoyment of the training, but there's also some research showing that this is superior for, for muscle growth over time. So one study compared a fixed exercise group and then an auto-regulated group. So the fixed exercise group was given a set program that they had to follow every week, and the auto-regulated group basically had a list of exercises that they could choose from 
uh, each time they came into the gym. So all the other training variables were the same between groups. It's just that one group had a list of exercises that they could chop and change from. The other one had set prescribed exercises that they had to do. Now the auto-regulated group actually gained more lean mass over nine weeks than the fixed group. So, you know, to try and explain that, it may just be that they enjoyed their training more, so they went a bit harder. It may be that they had a better sense of which exercises worked well for them, and so they got a little bit more growth out of it. Um, certainly, nine weeks is not a super long study, but I still think that there's something to this autoregulation idea. So in practice, what I would recommend is that if you get a sense of which exercises work best for you, it might be best just to trust that and stick to them but you might have this pool of exercises that you can then use to vary your selection over time. And that way you'll kind of get this even muscular development because you'll be covering a bunch of different um, sort of angles and strength curves and this kind of thing. Uh, and then you take care of that regional hypertrophy piece. But the reason why that's working is because of this principle of neuromechanical matching where every exercise has or every movement has the brain sort of trying to match the most efficient way to get muscle fibers to move that load the nervous system matches the area of the muscle with the best leverage to the task and that means that we can get regional hypertrophy it means that within the same muscle different parts of that same muscle can grow depending on our exercise selection or technique and so we do need some variety over time but we also don't want to overthink it and get too far down the rabbit hole. Cool. I hope that's provided a bit of food for thought and maybe something practical to take away. Uh, if you liked it, please give me a good rating or share it or whatever. But other than that, hopefully I can do these a little bit more frequently. If you did like it, by the way, feel free to send me a quick message on Instagram at underscore Luke Tullock or shoot me an email, Luke at Luke Tullock. And we'll see how we go from there. Cool. Speak to you soon.